Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Richard. On this episode of the Smart Home Show, Adam and I are joined by Dan Seifert from The Verge to go over what seems like dozens of product announcements from Amazon. In their fall preview event this year, they threw a bunch more spaghetti on the wall. This year, though, you can start to see a strategy and some focuses, multiple foci, in their announcements. Dan adds some important perspective to this conversation since he attended Amazon's event and had the chance to talk directly with some of their leadership. So here we go, 70-some minutes where we're challenged not to trigger your Echo devices. Just to be safe, I'd go ahead and mute yours now, though. everyone. I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense, and welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined as usual by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone, and today we're also joined by Dan Seifert from The Verge. Uh, Dan was just out in Seattle at Amazon's big event where they released a ton of new hardware and talked about some new services, which we're going to cover today. But before we get into the Smart Home Talk, I have a question for both Richard and Dan to open the show. So, Richard and Dan, how did you get into tech blogging and journalism? So, I don't know. Richard, you want to answer first? Yeah, I'll start with this one. I was one of those geeky people that 20 years ago had a personal website before the concept of blogs happened. And once blogs became a thing, then I'm like, oh, well, you know, I like tech, so I'll start writing about tech that I buy and that I test. And I would blog about pretty much every terrible Harmony remote that existed and stuff like that, <laughs> it just on my own personal blog. And then after uh, having like doing this little contest gig with CNET, I, it really inspired me to get into it more. I joined the DMZ and ultimately uh, that's still where I do most of my writing today. Awesome. How about you, Dan? Uh, I, I guess I kind of fell into it backwards um, in a similar way as, as Richard. You know, I've, I've always had like kind of like an interest in technology and gadgets and stuff growing up. I never expected to ever be a writer or write for a living. And if you ask any of my English teachers throughout school, they probably never would have pegged that for me either. Uh, but, you know, it's what I do now. And uh, I guess uh, my history doesn't quite go as far back as Richard's. I'd say about 10 years ago, I, uh, you know, started blogging for a pretty small publication that covered the mobile industry. Uh, and then I, I've been at The Verge for uh, seven years now, so um, quite a while, I guess. In, 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 in our industry, that's, that's, that's a very long time to be at one place. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Cool. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, um, you can always send that question by uh, tweeting with the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard. And a uh, special ask for our listeners, uh, we do finally have some 
some other questions, but we need some questions here. So please tweet to us uh, anything you want to hear us open the show with. And those questions can be about any subject. So send them away. All right. Well, we're going to start off with some follow-up as we usually do. And one of the things that we talked about, I believe it was last time, was the product RoomMe. This is the product that you would put in a bunch of different rooms in your home. And based on its sensors, your your uh, respective location with your phone and in comparison to those sensors, then it can determine where you are and do some cool stuff in your home. And Adam, I think you have some of these now. Yeah, so I got some samples of these to check out. I have four units that are sitting in my office. And um, so as soon as I get around to installing those in my home, I will definitely report back on that tech. I, I Again, I, I love the concept of these, of you know having some more contextually aware stuff going on in the home. And I think my wife is either going to love it and buy in, or she's going to think it's terrible and make me take it down. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I remember talking about how this is something that I probably wanted to try. And then I realized as you and I were talking about this, that this isn't going to work in my house at all because my partner refuses to keep his phone on him when he's in the house. So I would be overriding everything. And that's just, that's no good. That will start all kinds of problems. <laughs> Might as well not open that, that uh, <laughs> yeah, entire exactly. thing. Leave that Pandora's box closed. Yes. All right. So uh, now first I wanted to introduce our guests. So again, uh, joining us today is Dan Seifert from The Verge. Dan is a deputy editor at The Verge. And as he said, he's been there since uh, 2012, where he covers mobile technology, cameras, and anything that requires electricity. I love the uh, the broadness <laughs> of the, that last one there. Yeah, I guess I'm speaking to you guys because I, I also am like our de facto smart home person uh, here, uh, which is, which has been an interesting thing to explore for the past few years. Yeah, obviously a, a lot going on in that space. So you were at the Amazon event, uh, recently and had a chance to check out the new hardware and stuff like that. Uh, I know we're going to dive into a ton of details, but I would just love to hear a little bit about your, your general impressions of the event, um, and how it went overall. Uh, sure. Yeah. So this is like, uh, I think the third year that Amazon's done this kind of like fall hardware product showcase announcement type of thing. And the way that Amazon does it is a bit different than other companies that host events that we cover. Like you might see four or five things announced at a typical event. Amazon is just like, here's everything. And like, we're going to throw it at you in an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, hope you like get it. <laughs> I think I was, we were, we were live blogging the event for the site and I was sitting there and I just started counting how many hardware products were being announced as they went on. And I got up to 15 physical hardware devices uh, that were announced. And then I think Amazon said overall, they made like 80 announcements in this hour and 10 or hour and 15 minutes. So it was, it was kind of a crazy whirlwind. And then you've got to like run around and get demos and when you want to get experience with everything and things like that. And there's so many products to check out and so many uh, things to see, but otherwise, you know, aside from like the hecticness of it, it's uh it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting to see where they're going. And like, because they're announcing so many things at once, you can kind of pull some trends and some through lines through their strategy out from it, uh, which is, is a pretty interesting thing to see and see how that's shifted over the years. Yeah, it's like the opposite of an Apple event. You know, yeah. They cover like <laughs> three or four products and it's two hours. And Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, 
I was actually trying to follow the live blogs because this wasn't something that Amazon actually live uh, streams. So right. there's really no way of keeping up with it short of going through the different blogs and, and uh, outlets. And that's probably good for y'all because it gives you... <laughs> it worked for us. Yeah. <laughs> to get an audience, right? And... But but yeah, I was frantically taking notes because interestingly enough, I was recording Home On like an hour after that thing was over. So I was trying to catch everything that might be of interest to talk about there. And wow, there was a lot. So let's dive into some of the details. And I don't want to go into too much depth, but some of these I think are really interesting. Not surprisingly, we got a bunch of new echoes. And I'm just going to say from the start, we're going to do our best not to trigger your devices, but I don't know that we can guarantee it this time around because, <laughs> of course, half of these products are branded with her name. But with the new Echoes, we have a new dot. You have it in the notes here, Adam, as dot with a clock. I think they call it dot with clock or something like that. It's, I like yours better. It sounds more Dr. Susie. But it it's really kind of clever just in the side area that would have fabric on it. You have an led display. It can be used to display time, weather, depending on what you're doing, you know, think of the little dots at the top of your Google home, except that these actually perform a useful function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think this is, I'm sure they did some research here and found out that one of the places that people are putting dots is on a bedside table and, you know, uh, an alarm clock is a place here. I know I have a, what's the smaller one um, that's round? The spot. The spot. I have a spot as my alarm clock, but some people don't like that because it's got a camera and things like that. So this makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Amazon specifically said that, that one of the things that people ask Echo dots a lot for is the time, which is which is funny to me, because you know you assume you have the time displayed somewhere else that's easier to access without having to ask an assistant. But uh, <laughs> it's so they were like we're making it easier, and that makes that makes total sense. But I think to your point, Adam, like this is an alarm clock for someone who doesn't want a full screen and a camera on their nightstand. Yep, yeah, absolutely, and I could see this being useful in the kitchen and stuff like that too. Now, they also revved the normal Echo device. They said that now it has the sound quality and some of the capabilities of what had been in the Echo Plus. So mm-hmm. that's nice to hear. The price is going to stay the same on that for the Echo. They have a new Echo Show. And, you know, I call this the Echo Show Goldilocks size because <laughs> I feel like the 10 inch is too big, the 5 inch is too small. This one's just right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, it's, it, it was kind of an interesting announcement because uh, I, I, so I asked Amazon when uh, after their event, like some of their reps that were demoing it, I was like, so your pitch so far for the, the we'll call it the Echo Show 10, has been you put it in the kitchen. And then the pitch for the five is you put it in your bedroom. So I was like, so where do you put the show eight? And they said a small kitchen. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so I guess yeah. that well, makes sense. Or, I mean, quite honestly, maybe a kitchen where your spouse or partner wasn't excited about this big, huge thing being put in the kitchen, right? So yeah, this has a smaller form factor. It may be a little bit more palatable by the rest of the family. It's it's a little smaller. Like, I still think it's going to take up, like, you know, basically the same amount of space on a counter unless you're really tightly packing your counter. 
But to me, I think what really struck me here was the price. Like, I, 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 the size may be a consideration for some, but I really think the driving selling point on this is going to be the fact that it's 130 bucks versus yep. 230 for the bigger model. Absolutely. Uh, and it's still giving you a lot of the same features. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, plus a privacy shutter for people who don't yes. like the fact that they have cameras on everything. Uh, an interesting form factor for the Echo is the Echo Flex. And for all intents and purposes, this is a plug-in Echo. You just stick it on the wall and it plugs in like a wall wart on your outlet and it has an Echo built into it. I don't imagine you're going to be listening to music on this thing. But <laughs> for 25 bucks, you get microphones and quick answers from your assistant in pretty much any room, which I think is a really cool thing. Yeah, this is like a super interesting device. And I think, you know, I'm kind of speculating here, uh, and, and Amazon did not confirm this, but, you know, those, if you look on Amazon.com, there's a ton of devices or products, accessories for Echo Dots and Google Home Minis that you basically, it's, it's a mount that you can plug it directly into a wall outlet and it kind of like wraps the power cord around it and, and makes that all really neat so you don't have to put the product on a shelf and run the power cord down. And I think they are seeing that hey, these things are super popular. People want something that's very simple to plug directly into a wall outlet. Maybe they're using it in a bathroom. Maybe they're using it in another small space. They're not really listening to music a ton on it, but they're asking the weather, controlling smart home devices and things like that. And this kind of gives them a nice, cheap way to do that. Uh, and I think the the accessories are super clever with the nightlight and the, um, the motion sensor that, that you can add onto it. And, and then, you know, the USB port is kind of like, okay, so you can also charge your phone if you want. But I, I think that the it'll be really interesting to see where these accessories go beyond the ones that we've seen announced so far. But But you're right. It doesn't sound great <laughs> in terms of music. Like, like you know, in, in my bathroom, I've got a, a home mini that I've got in one of those plastic holders stuck into the wall. And I and when I crank that thing to full volume, I can hear it over the shower. Uh, so I can listen to a podcast or, or music while I'm taking a shower. Mm. Not sure that the flex is really going to overpower the sound of a running water. No, and I wouldn't expect it to. I mean, I, th I think this is exactly for the reasons you discussed. I can... I, I have a dot in my bathroom and I will very likely replace it with one of the, I've already pre-ordered one of these. So I, I think this is a cool device. Yeah. I think the attachment thing is interesting and it'll be interesting to see if that stays first party only, or if they open that to allow other people to add attachments to it. I, I would be very surprised if it stays first party only, uh, if only because the, the, the attachments that they announced were actually made by a third-party company that Amazon partnered with to make those. So I think the 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 the, the goal for that is really to kind of like open it up and let accessory makers go wild. Which makes sense. Yeah. Now, on the far opposite end of the sound spectrum, then, they also introduced the Echo Studio. And I think on our sister podcast, the Home Tech FM podcast, they referred to this as the HomePod killer. But, <laughs> but this is essentially this form factor of a HomePod. It's a larger size speaker mm -hmm. that includes obviously more space for air to move around and larger, um, you know, larger and better speakers. It includes three mid-range speakers and uh, two sides and a sub at the bottom. This for $200, also supports Dolby Atmos, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. I mean, I got a chance to uh, 
get a, a little preview of this before the event, and uh, it's like for two hundred dollars, I can't. I, it's hard to believe that it's outputting this amount, amount of sound, and then the quality of the sound uh, it, it is really, really impressive. And it's one of those things that we talked about. I mentioned strategy earlier. Uh, it's one of the things I think we're going to see this in a couple other products as well, where Amazon's strategy on this is just to undercut the competition so hard mm-hmm. that it's just like not even a contest. When you think about like. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to do like direct comparisons with this yet, um, but I'm very eager to like put it next to a HomePod, next to the Sonos Move and the Sonos One and, and other speakers in this space. And I really think that it's it's not going to go well for Apple or Sonos in those comparisons, just based on the, what I've heard so far from the Amazon speaker. The Atmos thing is really cool. Like you mentioned, it's doing this new 3D audio thing, which may turn out to be a gimmick. It all depends on if the content is be made available and you can actually get 3d audio songs uh but you can also use this as like an atmos sound system paired with a fire tv which is like fascinating to me so i'm very curious uh to hear that in the real world and and try that out but uh at 200 it's like that's the same price as a sonos one (laughs) like and and that's like like uh you can't get anything near that uh in 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 and so uh it's very interesting to me yeah i'm intrigued by this i think this is pretty cool i previously had considered getting the Echo Sub and trying to pair that with two Echoes just to see how the overall sound experience would be for like a kitchen or a bedroom or something like that. This, I think, completely changes the game and makes it far more competitive with those higher-end home solutions. Mm -hmm. Very cool there. A weird thing here, this is the last of the the uh, Echo branded products we're going to talk about for a while, but the Echo Glow, which is essentially a glowing color orb. It doesn't have an Echo (laughs) in it, which is interesting. It's just an orb that connects to your ecosystem and can change colors with music, and you can change the color. Meant for kids, 30 bucks. Eh, I don't quite get it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the battery-operated thing that Philips Hue has, but it doesn't serve that purpose. You can't take it outside, necessarily. So, I don't know. I don't get it. As the resident father uh, on this podcast, uh, I'll say I think probably the use case here is as a nightlight. At least that's what I would think my kids would use it for. Um, Already today, they use their dots with a hue bulb. Hmm. And at bedtime, we turn the hue to like 20 or 30% and it becomes a a nightlight. So, you know, having something that you can change the color of and things like that. And it sounded like there was even like APIs or development stuff you could do with this. So they may have broader plans to do crazy things with this, but those will just have to play out. This reminds me of, I think it was last year, they announced the Echo Buttons. Right. Uh, that lit up and you could program to like do different things. This feels like this year's version of that. Like yeah. it's 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 never going to be like the most popular Echo product. It's kind of a weird niche thing. Some people will love it. Some people will never even pay attention to it. Uh, but it's 30 bucks like full price. I would be totally unsurprised if we see it for 15 to $20 during the holiday season as well. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we see this. I think it was TechCrunch that suggested this probably makes more sense bundled with an Echo Kids. And then you have something that's like a full solution for your kids. And that's probably something we'll see in the future, too. 
Yep. It'd be cool if you could program it to like a wake up light. Like, uh, you know, you can do that with the hue lights. Um, there's some dedicated products, but maybe like if it's in a kid's room and the, the, the light slowly, gradually comes to I, life. I, when and it, I would totally assume that you can do that with it based on what I've read about it. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, Amazon owns some other brands. They've been buying up smart home companies and, and uh, smart home infrastructure companies over the last year or so. So one of those brands is Eero. And there's a new Eero solution out. Basically, <laughs> smaller, roughly the same price. That's all I have to say about it. Anyone else excited <laughs> about this? I, well, I think the price is, is, is important. I think the price is actually quite a bit less than the, uh, like, like the three, the Eros have been on sale for a while now, so you can get them for lower than their regular advertised price. But I think the three pack of the last Eero, which would have been like the two beacons and then the one, um, gateway, I guess they call it is Mm -hmm. listed at like three 99. Uh, and so this is starting at two 49 for three products. And basically what Eero told me was that it is effectively the beacons, with e- Ethernet ports on them. So it's not the fastest. It's not the highest bandwidth. Um, if you have, you know, gigabit in- internet in your house or you have, you know, a very demanding network at home and you want the highest speed throughput, you should go with their higher end products, which are still going to be in available. This is like really just giving them a really low entry level price point that, you know, if you didn't want to spend four to $500 on a mesh router, which is entirely reasonable thing to, to not want to do, right. uh, you can still get into it for, for considerably less and you still get the Eero app and you can pay for the Eero uh, subscription services and things like that and, and still have, you know, an easy setup system. Okay. So that's interesting. You don't, so with this, you don't have to have one of those uh, gateway units these no. can act as that that's great. correct yeah, yeah so like they're going to sell a three pack and that is like a full set and and you can one of those will plug right into your modem the other two will go somewhere else in your house uh and they each have two ethernet ports on the back of them so you could you know if one's in your office that's far away from your modem you could run a wire into that and have you know minimized how much how many wireless hops you have to do stuff like that cool makes a ton of sense yeah, yeah, that is cool. It's funny that you mentioned the price thing because I didn't notice it, and it must be because I'm just used to seeing it for less now that it's been out for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I frequently like see the uh, the the three pack of uh, the two beacons and the one gateway for like two ninety nine in that price range. So I'm sure they will be doing promotions on this as Amazon does. It's it's funny all the pricing that we're going to say is like the regular retail price, and then like a month from now it's going to be all aggressively like promoted for Black Friday and the holidays and stuff like that. So my suggestion is never pay full price for any of these products. <laughs> yeah, unless like me, there's some that you just have to have. You yes, order, you have to have. <laughs> All right. Well, Ring is another company that Amazon acquired a while ago, and Ring had some new product announcements, just like last year. Uh, This year, they announced a new version of the Ring stick-up cam. This one, I think, looks a little bit less weird than the last one did. Has a more traditional base to it. They're not trying to do something overly, overly clever and, um, and, and I don't know. It was just weird. I didn't like it. But this is now available for a hundred bucks. So that's a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. And like the other ones, they're going to have the three different versions, a wired version, a battery version, and a solar-powered version. I think the more interesting product here, though, is a new indoor camera. Previously, they kind of lauded the Ring stick-up cam as a, an indoor-outdoor camera. 
the new indoor camera, which I believe you were just holding up there, yeah, that one right here. is uh, so cute. It's just, it looks like a tiny little stick-up cam. It is so tiny. It is like, you know, it's 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 very obvious what they did here, right? They they took a stick-up cam and pulled the battery out of it and, and you know, <laughs> took the, the weather ceiling out of it so they could make it smaller and, and less expensive. And, and that's exactly what it is. It, it has a... Uh, I've been. I, I just got this in, um, and so I really haven't even set it up yet. But it has uh, a different mounting system. You you can switch the mount from the bottom to the back. But it, like you mentioned, I think in the revised stick-out camera, it doesn't have that weird hinging type of thing that flips around. Right. Uh, so it's a very simple camera, but it does do HD video. It does do uh, two-way audio and things like that. All the features that you'd expect from a ring camera. Uh, and it's the first ring camera that's explicitly sold for indoor use, um, which is kind of a big moment for them, I guess. And also now Amazon has three indoor cameras. I don't know. I can't keep up with how many indoor camera company uh, Amazon owns between their own cloud cam, between ring products, between Blink. Blink it's like... Right. This, <laughs> yeah. this is a direct competitor to the indoor Blink, and it comes in yeah. at a lower price than the current list price for the Blink. So that's kind of interesting i i really do feel like they're salvaging that blink line and and don't intend on keeping it in the long term just using the technology that they got from that which is fine Mm -hmm. i hope we see that technology in other products now i think one of the more interesting products from ring is a retrofit kit that you can use to take an existing alarm system that you might already have like leftover in your home from ADT or from older generation alarm systems. They, it may be wired, it may be wireless, and this will retrofit that alarm panel and all the sensors in your home to work with the Ring alarm. It's a $200 add-on, or if you buy it with the alarm system, it's $375-ish and so you save like $25 there if you're getting them together. This reminds me a lot of the connected system that allows you to retrofit an alarm panel to work with smart things. And from the ring perspective, it reminds me a lot of their, uh, their lighting. I, I can't think of the name mm-hmm. of it. The transformer. The smart lighting allows stuff, yeah. allows you to basically retrofit your existing in-ground lighting to work with their smart lighting system. I think this Mm -hmm. is really, really smart. I wish this existed, whatever, uh, nine months ago when I bought my ring alarm system because (laughs) I'm an example. I moved into a house five years ago that had ADT wired in it, and I've never done anything with that. But actually, I may look at this and see if it makes sense I, you know, I kind of need to look around. There's all kinds of ADT crap around my house that I never put there or did anything with. But can, for 200 bucks, can I like activate that stuff and add it to my already, uh, you know, in the house, uh, you know, ring alarm? It might be an interesting prospect. Yeah, that is the intent. Yeah, I, I think uh, Ring told us that, you know, this is a product that was specifically developed and built because customers just like in your situation, Adam, like we're like, I've got all this stuff in my house and like, I love your product and I want to switch to it and I don't want to pay ADT 60 bucks a month anymore, but all this stuff is in my house. So they built this so that you could actually use all that stuff. I think the alarm in general is a very interesting product. And, and ring says, told me that it's like their fastest growing product. It's, it's, I think 
Honestly, I think it's been more popular than they even expected um, because it's so aggressively priced and because it's so comprehensive. Uh, and now it's like starting to actually integrate well with uh, Scott or excuse me, the other the the voice assistant that Amazon owns. <laughs> I almost did it. I almost had it, Richard, but I slipped. Um, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's 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 uh, it's it's you know, a great product for the customer, um, and that it works well and is inexpensive and you get the monitoring for a hundred bucks a year. So. Yeah, I've been, I've been a big fan of mine. And, um, and as you said, you know, just wait around and there will be an aggressive pricing on this kind of stuff. That's, that's what got me eventually was, um, I think, uh, Costco had a great deal with a big bundle of, of ring alarm stuff. And, and then I finally pulled the trigger. Nice. Nice. All right. There's still more to go. We got a smart <laughs> oven this year. Last year, we got a microwave that was uh, that was a, a connected oven, an example of the ter- their technology, their chip technology that can integrate with their assistant. And now we have a smart oven that can integrate with their assistant for about $250. I'm not overly excited about this. For some reason, people seem to be very excited about this. I think there are many much better smart oven products available these days and i'm not convinced that just adding convection and saying oh yeah that convection you could use that as an air fryer really makes this all that compelling but obviously the price is a lot more aggressive than a Mm -hmm. june or some of the other people that are in this space sure sure yeah that's true that's true but it's also not doing anything close to what those products are doing this is this is basically a microwave with some extra features right like it's you can voice control it and things like that. But it's it's interesting because Amazon says that microwave that was announced last year, which is like something I was like, oh, this is stupid. Who's going to want this? It's their mo- number one selling microwave on Amazon. Probably helps that they're like promote it every time you go look for a microwave. Like, oh, here's one. We've got an Amazon Basics one for 60 bucks. Well, yeah. And that they no longer sell GE's <laughs> enabled microwave that yeah. I bought from them initially. So, yeah, I mean, they they basically... They, they they basically have the market there, and that doesn't surprise me. I think that was you know I mentioned when that came out, I thought it was a perfect thing for like a dorm or something like that. So yeah, I'm not surprised that that went uh, particularly at the crazy price it had. All right, uh, moving on, we got some some wearable things. The first of the wearable <laughs> things is a set of earbuds, noise canceling earbuds powered by Bose. Has the Amazon Assistant built in, and uh, apparently. You can access your Google and Apple assistants as well, which is really nice and surprising, quite frankly. It says they get five hour to ba- five hours of battery life. The case gives them about 20. They're not that bad looking, really. I think they're okay. Price is 130 bucks. That's certainly better than Apple's equivalent to this. Anyone mm-hmm. excited about this? I think it's interesting. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is the most interesting product that was announced at the whole show. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not technically smart home. Um, so like it's, it's, it's meant, and this is like when we talk about like strategy, uh, you know, these wearables that we're going to run through are, 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 you know, examples of how Amazon's trying to get its assistant outside of the home. But to me, this is another one of those things where they are pricing it so aggressively that it just makes it a no brainer. You can get noise canceling earbuds. Why truly wireless earbuds with five hours of battery life for $130 is just like such a slam dunk. I had a chance to demo them. 
it's the noise canceling's real. <laughs> like it works. It shuts out everything. And like it may not be as good as your Bose over ear headphones that you're wearing on a plane or something sure. like that. But uh, when I'm on the subway, I would love to have these things. I've been wanting noise canceling, truly wireless earbuds uh, for some time, and I think that that is like the next frontier for truly wireless earbuds. We're seeing, you know, Sony's got a set out now. Amazon just announced these. Uh, there's rumors that uh, Apple's going to come out with AirPods with it. So I think that's like the next step for these products. And the fact that they're doing it for $130 is like really kind of wow uh, and impressive. So even if I never use the integrated Amazon Assistant uh, function and I never say, you know, uh, what's the weather when I'm walking down the street, which I don't really ever particularly suspect I'll do... I'm in it for the noise canceling. I think that makes sense. I mean, these look good. My question is, will that case fit in my coin pocket the way <laughs> Apple's buds do, right? That's, yeah, they're definitely not as elegant. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that makes the Apple solution so like that. They're permanently in there. Like they're always in my pocket. No matter yeah. where I'm going, what I'm doing, I always have them on me. And I like that. Yeah, these definitely have a clunkier case. Uh, it charges over micro USB, which is super annoying for a product in 2019. And, you know, the jury's still out on, you know, how good is the wireless reception? How, how you know, how is that five hours of battery life, you know, real and stuff like that. So we're definitely going to have to, like, actually test them. But just on paper, they seem to be really promising to me. Yeah. How do I, I know you're and we're not here to talk about this, but I know you're also at a Microsoft event recently mm-hmm. and uh, they also put out some earbuds. How do these compare in your mind to those? They're less ugly. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, for one, yeah, the, the, the Microsoft ones definitely have a um, uh, a, a, a design. <laughs> I, I saw them. Call, I saw them called as pop sockets you stick in your ears. That would be a, an accurate way uh, to describe them. The thing, the Microsoft ones, uh, they don't have any noise canceling whatsoever. In fact, they're designed to let noise in, kind of like standard AirPods, and they are two hundred and fifty dollars, which I think is a complete non-starter. Uh, they are doing some interesting things with uh, transcription and translation, but I think the people that actually want that from their earbuds uh, is very few, and maybe most of them work at Microsoft. But the pricing is really kind of like just way out of left field for those and, and at 250 bucks, I think the Amazon ones are, are far more compelling for the average person. I think that pricing reinforces that Microsoft is really going for the business market there. They're, mm-hmm. These are not going to be what you're listening to your iphone on as you're in the subway that's not what right. that's not what they're going for also because you won't ever hear anything out of them <laughs> if you're on the subway there's, there's that too <laughs> so the next wearable is probably my favorite product in terms of the most interesting thing that they put out and that is the i believe they're called the echo frames so for 180 dollars and this is still currently invite only and mm-hmm. currently only working with android you get a set of glasses clear frame glasses these are not like sunglasses or prescription glasses or anything with the assistant built in tiny little speakers in the um in the bars on the side that you can hear the people around you can't hear very similar kind of to the bose frames that were mm-hmm. announced earlier this year. I tried those. I loved them, actually. I think they're hmm. a brilliant solution. You wrote about this. so I did. I got a chance to try these, this? yeah. 
Uh, I'm I'm maybe a little less hyped for them than you are. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that they they do have clear lenses in them. Yeah, for 180 dollars, they're just clear non prescription lenses. But uh, Amazon did say you could put prescription lenses in them. You could put sunglasses in them if you wanted. So so they they are like standard types of, of glasses frames. Uh, these are very comfortable to wear. They're super lightweight. You'd never know that they have electronics in them when you're wearing them. That you don't feel like a heavy battery on your face or anything like that. Uh, and I think that the the speaker solution that they designed is really clever. Um, a lot of the glasses or like, you know, things that are worn like this, maybe not glasses, but they might use bone conduction to get the audio into your ears. These are using a uh, beam formed speaker sound that fires down to your ears and is not supposed to be able to be heard by people next to you. I think just like standard headphones, if you turn up the volume real loud, it will leak yeah, out and yeah, people yeah. will hear it and things like that. But most of the time, it's kind of a private listening thing. And then there's this little LED light inside the uh, right eyebrow that you can see that lights up whenever you activate the assistant. Um, it's kind of an interesting product. I, I give you that. I, I just don't know how many people are asking for it or, or interested in it. And I think, I think it's very obvious that Amazon doesn't either. And that's why they are making it uh, this invite only. They're calling it an experiment. They're seeing what, who wants it, who was willing to buy it, who's what they're going to use it for and things like that. Um, So there's, you know, it's a very future looking type of thing. Um, And, and initially, like you mentioned, it's Android only, there's going to be lots of limitations with it on the first batch, uh, but they're still kind of like figuring all this out. I am curious about the audio quality. Uh, I would not use it to be listening to music. Okay, so th- this is then this isn't really competing with what Bose is doing, right? Yeah, if the Bose ones are like doing the standard Bose thing of like providing audio quality that you're going to use for podcasts and music and things like that, um, these ones are really just to give you access to the assistant wherever you are without having to use your hands. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a very hands free type of thing. I was actually surprised they didn't put the Bose technology in this because they had that in the buds. um, Mm -hmm. And so clearly they're working with Bose and maybe that's something we'll see in a future version of these. Yeah. Obviously for me, Android only is a non-starter. I think it's an interesting and accessible price. Um, This is coming from somebody who was a Google Glass Explorer and (laughs) quickly regretted that because uh, I I quickly figured out that I was never going to wear those in public. And thankfully, I was able to get rid of mine on eBay and make some of mine back. But that's always my hesitation with something like this. Uh, Well, I will say that compared to Google Glass, uh, the average person is never going to know you're wearing technology on your face with these. So they think they did a good job with the design, with the shape of them, the comfort level and stuff like that, where they are going to wear basically like standard glasses. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Uh, three hour battery life while you're listening, 14 hour standby time. That's kind of miserable. So, yeah, you know, hopefully you'll see that improve if this ever gets productized more popularly. Now you said this was hands free, the next product is on hand. It is the <laughs> Echo Loop, just what everybody needed, an Amazon Assistant on their ring, sort of. It's kind of yeah. like Amazon Assistant Notifier. <laughs> yeah, I guess. The event was so hectic and chaotic, I did not get a chance to get personal one-on-one time with this to demo it, but it's also something that I'm like, hmm, why? <laughs> yeah, well, so. <laughs> you know, in, in case you just feel like you can't leave home without your Amazon Assistant, you can 
tote her around on your ring and talk to your fingers. I, I, <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I really just don't get it. Yeah, and how awkward would that be to like lift up your your ring? You're gonna look like you're Doctor Evil. You I was know, just as you did that. So you know, we we record over video, and as Adam is raising his hand to demonstrate that, I'm like, oh my god, Doctor Evil. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Evil would love it. Uh, all I, right, I think this maybe even more than the frames uh, is an experimental product. Like, it's it's it, Amazon says it is, and it's going to be invite only, just like the frames. But I think. This one's even further out there on the experiment world. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we have one more product to talk about, and that is the dog tracking system called Fetch. This is going to be a, a dog tag that you can put on your dog's collar, and it will be using a service that we're going to talk about in a little bit to give you insight into your dog's movement, let you track your dog, stuff like around your neighborhood, stuff like that. This is very early on. They haven't announced a whole ton of information on this, but this is really intriguing to me as a dog owner. I think this is fascinating. I want to see what they do with this. And and I think this shows uh, potentially a lot of promise here. Yeah, I mean, I we're a dog owner as well and you know, I think this thing and like you said, I don't I don't think they actually announced a date or whatever. They just kind of put this uh, you know, stake in the ground of look, this is something we're doing with this technology sometime down the road, but I think this is going to live or die by how good the mesh network they're able to build is going to be because obviously being able to do this you know, close to your home, like once your dog gets whatever, you know, 100 feet, you know, or more from your home, it might only be so good. But this, I think, is banking more on a network from multiple homeowners to be able to right. to relay information back. Yeah, I, I think we're going to talk about the, the, the wireless protocol in a little bit, but, but it, it does feel like a kind of like a, 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 a way to demo the an application for this wireless protocol. Uh, and, and it is interesting. I'm not a dog owner, but I could totally see, you know, this being super valuable to people. And I spoke to Jamie from Ring about it. And uh, he was like, we think this is a very important thing that, you know, our customers have wanted. It's like the next step beyond the the ring of security that they built around the home. Uh, and so like this product was actually born out of uh, ring the ring side of things, which not is not at is all surprised by that. This is... Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get back from our break. So before we take a break, I wanted to talk a little bit about just this strategy in general that Amazon seems to take, which is uh, I'll, I'll call the throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. What do you guys think of this strategy in general and you know them just throwing some of these crazy products out there <laughs> and see what happens? I, I don't really mind it as long as they don't leave customers in a lurch. And it feels like the way that they've announced some of these as experimental, as invite only, helps with that. It helps make me feel a little bit more confident about them. You know, if the clock isn't available in a year's time, no big deal, as long as it still works as a clock and it shouldn't be too much infrastructure for them to continue to support it. But, and we'll talk again more about Fetch in the future, but if they release Fetch, people invest in it, and ultimately this doesn't catch on the way they want it to, and they they end up 
canceling that program or stop producing those products, that could be a problem for consumers. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. We've seen that, um, obviously, multiple times throughout uh, the smart home world in the past few years uh, that you know things have just been dropped by companies. I will say that you know we've seen them use this experimental approach before. The Echo Auto is still, I believe, in invite-only uh, and that is starting to get out there more. And we're, we, we, we ran a review of it on the site a couple of months ago, and, and it still needs a lot of work. And I think Amazon does, you know, realize that some of these things do need a, quite a bit more development work that they can't do all in-house. And they do need people using them to a certain extent so that they can get the data on it and what's working, what's effective, what's not working, how people are using them in the real world. And so that's why we're seeing these experimental products and, and more of these experimental products come out. Uh, I will say one thing about Amazon is that uh, they don't seem to hesitate against investing in this, though. Like, their assistant team is enormous, uh, and, like, they are, you know, continuing to put more money into these things and put more development resources into them, um, which is, you know, if you're a customer and you and you want to invest in something, it's nice to see. Uh, it gives a little bit more confidence. And we haven't seen too many things from Amazon's side that have been kind of like cut off and, and left in the lurch, like you mentioned. So uh, it's definitely one of their strategies to just try everything. In addition to, like we mentioned, uh, the strategy about pricing of just like undercutting the competition so aggressively and not really making any profit on these things. Um, so it's, it's one of them. But because Amazon's such a big company, uh, and, and does have so many resources, it's one that they can employ that maybe smaller companies aren't able to. What's your take on it, Adam? Uh, one of the things I was going to say is one of the reasons they can do that with the aggressive pricing strategy is because they don't have to pay themselves because they're the <laughs> retailer for this stuff. And they're the ones, I mean, I guess in some cases they are in other retailers, but you know they're not paying retail margins to themselves. So you know, what somebody else would have to fork up to be on Amazon, you know, they have a huge advantage, price advantage there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I think my other thought here is, you know, along what you guys are saying, which is the important thing is that they don't, you know, leave customers in a lurch. And, you know, you can't just ship these things and then see what happens. Totally, you got to continue to develop it, you got to make it better, mm -hmm. it's got to grow over time. And so to a certain extent, you know, this is going to happen. We're going to have to see over a couple more years where some of these things go and what they happen. I, you know, to throw one of those things out, I have some Echo buttons in a drawer that I'm pretty <laughs> sure have never been used, but they were cheap enough that I really yeah. don't care. So, right. you know, I think that's part of the balance as well. Okay. So now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll return with some more smart home discussion. Okay, so um, as we kind of alluded to, Amazon also announced and talked about a lot of new services, as well as updates to existing services that you know they had talked about previously. So the first one that we already mentioned was this Sidewalk Wireless Protocol. This is a 900 megahertz spectrum, and um, it's going to have some encryption over 900 megahertz. 900 megahertz is an open spectrum. And for right now, it's going to be for their own use only. And they're trying to build a, a mesh network over this. So in the context of that Fetch product we talked about earlier, you know, the idea here is that if multiple people have whatever sort of bridge product is required for this, and, and I think I read somewhere that they're, they're already shipping 
these radios in some products. Yeah, I'm, I, I am not at all surprised to hear that this is built off of the Ring stuff. This, this <laughs> ver- seems very, very similar to what Ring is doing with the Mr. Beams technology that they mm-hmm. adapted and brought into their smart lighting products. Yes, exactly. Um, Jamie from Ring actually told me explicitly that it was something that when they were developing the smart lighting products and using that, te- adopting that technology in, they realized that they could do something like this with that technology. Um, and and you're right that it is reliant on multiple people in a neighborhood, say, having these products in their home and creating this type of mesh network. But they realized that this is what they they told me is that they didn't need that many people to have the products to create a reliable mesh network across this frequency. So like, uh, you know, maybe they need like 10% or maybe even less of the homes in the area to have it for this to all to work. And it is kind of interesting. You, you mentioned 900 megahertz, not a new frequency. Like this has been used for a lot of things from like cordless telephones and, and many other things over the years, but it is, you know, they are encrypting it end to end over, over there. And I think this is one of the few that I'm aware of, at least, that is designed to go longer distances because it's using those mesh hops, just like a, a mesh router network would do inside your home. It's kind of taking that idea and expanding it out. And that lighting bridge that they have today has, like, ridiculous range. That's mm-hmm. that's the bridge that enabled me to do that whole mailbox thing 70 meters away from my home. I do the same thing. No difficulty. <laughs> yeah. 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 I We've actually, my the parent company uh, of ConnectSense, GridConnect, has been selling 900 megahertz radios for a long time. And the thing here, and they do have like silly long range. I think they use like, like about a mile in, in the upper mm-hmm. limits. And what's going to make the most difference for that range is going to be antennas. And obviously, they're not going to put a huge like Yagi antenna that you know hangs out your points out your window on this stuff. It's all going to be embedded, you know, good looking antennas. So we'll see. You know, the other thing that comes into play is like building materials. So you know, as Richard indicated, this will penetrate metal. But if you have you know really dense building materials, metal stuff like that, all of that will will cause the signal to go down. So sure, sure. Um, it's going to be way better than Wi-Fi, and I think that's what they're trying to get around. Is like once we get beyond the house, how do we add mm-hmm. some coverage here? Right. Yeah, they can't use Wi-Fi. They can't use Bluetooth reliably. Stuff like that. So uh, it's a the reason they say they came up with it was they wanted to solve this problem using the example of fetch and like just current wireless protocols, whether it's Zigbee or Z-Wave or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or whatever else you might have in your home, just really didn't cut it. So uh, that's why they put their efforts towards this. Yep. And uh, I think they mentioned uh, next year they're going to be opening up um, this program to other people. Correct. I'll I'll point people to um, definitely check out. I'll, I'll throw this in the notes, but um, Stacy Higginbotham had a great uh, interview with Daniel Rauch, the VP of Smart Home, on her podcast, and yep. and they talked went in deep on on this protocol as well. Next on the list, so there's a bunch of new stuff for developers, and I'll dig through some of this. So they expanded on frustration free setup, which was announced last year, and they're moving forward on this. So there will be easy ways for Wi-Fi and Zigbee devices to be set up, and they're soon adding Bluetooth to the mix. 
They also have an app-to-app account linking. So this is pretty similar to what we talked about that Google is doing. So just make it really easy to do that authorization piece between Amazon and, and another company. They're also adding a new home networking API, which allows control of networking equipment. For some of this stuff, it just feels like uh, they decided they were going to do this for a company they own, in this case, Eero. <laughs> and then, sure, we'll open it up to other people. So Eris, Asus, uh, Linksys, and TP-Link are all other early partners. And the example they gave here was the ability to turn off Wi-Fi profiles. Yeah, this this feels like an expansion of existing things that they're already doing. Like, uh, I know Eero has some integration with um, the assistant, as do these other partners, to do, like turning uh, on and off various features. And and this feels like just an expansion of that. I had to turn that feature off on my assistant because it seemed to be the thing that it would randomly think it heard all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, everybody's Wi-Fi would get shut off. So I'm like, all right, I'm turning off that integration. Also, new cooking APIs. So again, feels like, oh, we're going to build cooking stuff um, with our new product. So yeah, we'll give it to some other people as well. So um, this supports 40 new cooking modes, including air fry, bake, uh, pressure cook, roast, and slow cook. And partners on this are GE Appliances, Instant Pot, June, uh, LG, Traeger, and Whirlpool. Yeah, this is actually, I think, really important. Right now, the capability for cooking commands has been pretty limited. And as far as I know, it's only been supported in their product and the uh, GE microwave in terms of being able to use it with your assistant. And so this is really going to open that up and make it much more robust to serve the purposes of more complex cooking devices like these. Okay. Um, next on the list was uh, a terribly named program, but uh, it's here nonetheless. <laughs> it's called the Certified for Humans program. So I don't know who else you're selling to Amazon, but um, yeah. So... <laughs> Aliens and <laughs> aliens and dogs I mean, need not in, apply. In all fairness, I think their point is that this stuff is too complicated for most people, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that this is like a certification. And like it has to, you got a bunch of bullet points here of all the things that it has to to, to meet in order to get this certification, which is like they're all good things, automatic security updates, frustration-free setup and stuff like that. But it doesn't really make these easier to use right like it's just okay so you're checking all the boxes of what exists now um it's still you know maybe the setup on these is still going to be a challenge for for a lot of people yeah uh early partners on this was amazon no surprise uh phillips hue hamilton beach and tp link and i actually reached out to a friend who works at at hue and is usually involved in this kind of programs and um he either couldn't or, or didn't uh, reply to me on that. But I was just curious, like how uh, obviously I know what it's like going through HomeKit certification and um, have the, the scars on my back to prove it. <laughs> I was just curious how, how bad this one was. Um, but there's some pretty I mean, I would compare this most to HomeKit. There's some pretty unique things that they're adding in the mix. Um here, uh, automatic security updates you mentioned, um, push to devices. That was an interesting one to me because some people don't like that. Some people like to control when they get a, an update and, and be able to do it when it's convenient to them. Yeah, but that's <laughs> not normal humans. 
right? I guess. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. that is techie people like us. And so yeah. this is this is taking the burden of that stuff away from most consumers. True. That's probably right. Most consumers aren't ever going to apply those security updates. Right. <laughs> And the other one that stuck out to me here was a security assessment from an independent security expert. And they actually say in the requirements that you may have to provide this security assessment to to Amazon. So I thought this was a good idea. And obviously, you know, one of the one of the you know things that smart home devices get in terms of criticism is, you know, it's very cheap stuff from overseas that's not secure at all. And obvious, and a ton of that is for sale on Amazon. And so obviously this is a way to combat that, that <laughs> making sure that you're doing industry best practices for security and somebody's actually looked at it. Yep. It's also interesting to me that it, they have to have a high average review on Amazon. <laughs> like yeah. they, they, they have to have enough stars, which they don't say what that high average is, but I assume probably four and a half or well, And to be honest, I, I have a problem with that because right. I wonder if this puts at a disadvantage a company that wants to get into the program, but they're not doing these things now. Now they're going to check all those boxes, but they don't have the product out. So, so basically this is a, this is like that first job situation, right? Like, well, I need experience to get a job. Well, you need a job to get experience. <laughs> and, and I feel like they're putting some product developers in that same predicament. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing is that it's very easy to game reviews on Amazon. So I would assume that Amazon itself knows how to, you know, weed out the ones that are gamed versus the ones that are they're legitimate. But it is a thing that's been reported on a bunch. And, and for like a consumer trying to buy something on Amazon is still a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, I think for us as a product company, this is on, you know, I sent the list of this stuff to my developers and it's like, uh, okay, we'll put this on the list. Maybe we'll see if we can do this down the line. I mean, the piece for us that would be most challenging would be all the setup stuff. You know, that's a lot of firmware work and, you know, can be pretty complex to do it. So to that point too, I would be pissed if we did all this work and then, you know, for some reason, uh, you know, the reviews drop below, you know, one, you know, point one of a star out of this requirement. And all of a sudden we're not in the magic program. So, yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll see more on this and, and see kind of, I'd love to get one of these products that, that support this in, in hand and, and see how it goes. All right. Well, next up is the thing that I am most excited about from the services. <laughs> For real? No, this I'm is just kind of kidding. This is cool, though. Come on, people are going to love this. So they're going to have celebrity voices available from your Amazon assistant. And they didn't go into a whole lot of detail on who all the lineup will be, but they toted Sam Jackson out on stage and... Well, he wasn't on stage. Well, on a slide. On a slide. He was he was in a video and they, they made a commercial and I think you could probably go watch the commercial on Amazon or on YouTube or whatever. Uh but yeah, you can you can have your echo speak like Sam Jackson with curse words or not. Yes. Samuel L. Jackson in full form. <laughs> Come on. How much would you pay for that? How about ninety nine cents? I'm in. I you know, it was it was it was very surprising to me that this is actually being uh, like a paid for upgrade. Like um, obviously I'm going to buy it, 
but you know uh it, it almost feels like you know buying a ringtone for your phone uh so it's it's kind of hilarious to me that it's now it's 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 maybe a revenue channel for amazon and uh, you know i have a lot of questions about this to be honest with you that have not been answered yet uh if you watch the demo that they used with sam jackson it was extremely difficult to tell how much of this is just recorded lines that he's saying and how much of this is like generated audio that's meant to sound like him like we've seen google do, do it with the assistant uh with john legend uh and yeah it sounded like john legend but it was a little weird robotic version of john legend kind of and you know i kind of got over that after about 10 minutes of using it um so i'm curious as to you know how much of this they, they kind of touted it as like a technology thing but how much of it is just you know can lines that are recorded well i mean there's at least one line we know he's gonna <laughs> <laughs> but, but I otherwise I got the impression that this is mostly generated from using newer technology that they've been working on to be able to simulate the voice mm-hmm. pulled from all the voice characteristics of actual recordings of the voice. Right. So that's that's the impression that they gave. But yep. when they demoed it, it just it, it was like they weren't like this is the assistant speaking as Sam Jackson. Like you just saw Sam Jackson speaking and it was coming out. So I'm skeptical. (laughs) I'm very curious. I'll definitely pay the 99 cents. I would laugh many times when my echo device curses at me. Uh, But uh, I'm just very curious as to how this technology will shake out. Yeah. It'll be interesting in the explicit option too, is it's just going to throw curse words in here and there, you know, (laughs) randomly. It'll just say, you know, uh, your timer is done, mother, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or like, why are you asking me for the weather again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I want it. <laughs> we didn't talk about it, but one of the, one of the new services too, is to ask, uh, you know, ask the assistant, why did you do that? And yeah, I could see it in the explicit option. You get a smart <laughs> answer back. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. You know, I've got little kids in my house who use the uh, uh, voice assistant from time to time to to do things. And uh, obviously, I wouldn't want them being cursed at by the the speakers. So could I, like, time gate the explicit option? (laughs) Like, oh, they went to bed. You can curse at me now. I don't know. A lot of unanswered questions here. And honestly, I didn't even catch when it's rolling out. Um, So I think that's kind of out there as well. We, We... don't know for sure unless unless one of you maybe maybe knows yeah i i don't that would be nice if there's a voice match option because that, that's one of my one of my complaints about uh the home pod which I, I like has an option to say that it it won't play explicit music but it would be nice if it knew you know when i ask then you can play explicit music but when <laughs> you know one of my children asks then no explicit music but yeah mm. i mean at the very least presumably it'll be by device so that you can have it privately in your Echo Buds. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're laughing your ass off while you're in the subway and people are looking at you like you're crazy. Sam yes. Jackson cursing into my ears. There you go. <laughs> um, the next one was something they had announced before but are just kind of leaning into it more, which is hunches. Um, so this is suggestions around what devices to use or actions you may want to perform. So this is kind of their first steps into something more AI-like. Um, any takes on on this and where this is going? My question, you guys both 
use use the assistant to my knowledge. Have you ever encountered a hunch? Never. Um, it de- so I don't know how they're defining hunch. Like I get suggestions all of the time when I ask questions. Mm-hmm. So if I might ask it a question, how old someone is, and she'll answer that question and then say, a lot of people who ask this question also ask blah, blah, blah. Do you want the answer? No, I just wanted the answer <laughs> I asked for. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if Amazon is considering that a hunch or like a follow-up. I assume maybe they would consider that a hunch, but I've encountered this exactly once in, since the year that it's been out. And uh, I have an Echo Spot in my bedroom that I use as an alarm clock. And I had forgotten to lock the front door, which has an August lock on it, connected to that you know, assistant. Set my alarm for 6 a.m. tomorrow, and it said, it looks like your front door is unlocked. Do you want me to unlock to lock it for you? And that was, like, really cool. Yep. And, like, I was like, yeah, do it. And then, of course, the lock failed, and I had to go downstairs. <laughs> Anyways, because that's how technology works. Um, but... <laughs> But, uh, you know, that was, like, a really good example of, like, I think of the ideal of, like, what these hunches are supposed to do. Um, It's just, I just don't encounter them very often. And obviously once, and we speak to our Echo devices multiple times a day, every single day. So it'll be interesting to see these roll out some more and what they do and, and, and if they are actually helpful. But right now, it seems like a very early thing that you may encounter, you may not, and it's very hard to trigger it. All right, and then the last one was something that, Richard, you said you were very excited about. So they announced uh, on-demand cooking classes for Echo Show users. Yeah, so this is something that they've been kind of working on for a while with Food Network. They already had Food Network as a content partner, but Food Network has produced, I believe it's like 800 or so courses that you can actually watch, and they'll it's essentially guided cooking that is interactive. You can go back and look at the last step, look at the next step, doing this all with your Echo Show in the kitchen while you're working on it. You can either talk to it or you can swipe it. It's really, really nice hands-off experience if you want it to be that, or like I like to call it the meat hands experience. And I'm not a good cook, so I can use as much help as I can get and having it right there on the device to say, Hey, I need help cooking such and such is a really big deal. Now the, the really cool thing about this and I'm curious how they're going to scale this is that they are going to do something that people are pretty much calling the Peloton of cooking where there will be live chefs that are available to support some of these courses and you'll be able to talk to the chef to get assistance while you're doing this cooking. That's really cool. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. Especially, especially on Thanksgiving. <laughs> just, they just have Bobby Flay working for 15 hours straight, sitting in front of an Echo show, answering questions. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually attending the Smart Kitchen Summit next week, as I do each year. And on one of my panels that I'm moderating, the person that is heading this up at Food Network is going to be in that discussion. And so that's one of the things that I really want to understand better, is how do you scale the business to support something like this? Because, uh, you know, uh, unlike 
maybe well i'm maybe that's not true i was gonna say peloton probably does have that new year's push uh at the beginning of the year everybody makes resolutions and now <laughs> there's more demand for them but I, I don't know how you scale this appropriately so i'm really curious to hear more yeah the difference there is that peloton is always a one-to-many uh experience where mm-hmm. they're leading a class and it doesn't matter you know, if there's a hundred people there or if there's a thousand, you know, they're just always leading the class. This sounds like you're actually talking to a person about your individual problem. Um, so yeah, I agree that that could be challenging to scale. But really, really cool if they do this right. This is interesting to me, largely because one of the original sales pitches for smart displays, especially in the kitchen, was to help you cook. And uh, you, you see, uh, Google does it with the smart, um, uh, the the Nest Hub Home, whatever they're calling them now. Uh, and Amazon's had it on the Echo Show since the beginning. But I think they've kind of under-delivered there uh, quite a bit. Like, yep. you know, I've got an Echo Show in my kitchen. I've never used it outside of demoing the feature for cooking because it can't find the recipe that I want specifically. Or it moves through too fast or it's not easy to follow or things like that. And I just end up going back to, like pulling up the recipe on my smartphone because it's like the exact recipe that I want and and it's not in Amazon or Google's database or what have you. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if this improves that experience where I think that's one area that has really not lived up to expectations, um, but feels like something that should be such an obvious thing for these products in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think this is fascinating. So something I'll definitely be watching and, and, um, Hmm. Can I get away with another screen in my kitchen? I don't think I can. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know if maybe i can run this in an app on my tablet that would be nice <laughs> all right well that pretty much wraps up the rest of the services and adam you had mentioned again i i want to point this out that stacy had an interview with daniel roush who heads up smart home at Amazon. And that was a really good discussion about all the stuff that they're doing and, um, you know, some of the reasoning behind it and some of their future thoughts about it. Yeah, definitely check that out. All right. Well, this is the point in the show where we take a question from our listeners. And, you know, last time we didn't think we had a question. We actually have a question. We now have too many questions. We have more questions. <laughs> and we So, but we're, we picked one that we're going to answer this time just because of some very timely news. And this question comes from PTI fan 23 in Twitter who asked, why hasn't Apple developed its own smart home devices or maybe through acquisitions rather than relying on the very slow rollout of HomeKit devices from third parties? The lack of HomeKit devices has kept me from getting into the ecosystem. Um, My First thought on this is that I I don't think that there's a lack of HomeKit devices so much as there are certainly fewer HomeKit devices than there are, say, devices that work with Amazon's and Google's ecosystems. And that is largely, I could speak from experience, because of the challenges and commitment that's involved in doing HomeKit certification. So, you know, that definitely limits things and makes it why there isn't as many products because with the Amazon and Google stuff, it was just a cloud to cloud thing. You didn't really have to do anything with your firmware. Um, You could easily add it on after the fact. The Apple stuff was a lot more of a commitment for the most part and required that, that heavy certification process. 
That said, Adam, you found some news this week. Yeah, so I I thought this was an interesting question. So there was a patent that came out this week. If you remember last episode, Richard and I talked about the new ultra-wideband radio in Apple's phones, and uh, somebody found a patent on uh, using that ultra-wideband technology in light switches and outlets to do in-home location. So uh, we'll include the link to this in in the show notes. But um, super interesting. You know, often big companies patent stuff all the time and and don't ever do anything with it. I'm sure there's a long, long list of Apple patents that we've seen that still have never come to fruition. (laughs) You know, and my other thought on this was when Apple's looking for new markets to go into and, and new product categories they needed to be a, a it needs to be a big market and a big mm-hmm. splash for them to do it you know and to make an impact to their bottom line you know even a smaller product category for them like the apple watch which has been hugely successful i just saw somebody say the other day is even bigger than ipod revenues were and that was such mm-hmm. a big product line for them wow so when they when they take on something like that they need that size of a business to make any material impact for them so I think this is also a good discussion to have, you know, following our Amazon discussion in that Apple is so much less willing to just throw things against the wall. They have this quality standard and where the technology has to be really pretty well proven out. uh, And they'll even let other people kind of take the first steps um, Mm -hmm. because they want to make sure they, they have a certain barrier and expectation for their products. Um, before they come out. So in my opinion, that's why you haven't seen smart home devices directly from them at this point. I think you're probably right there, Adam. Uh, You can see this in a lot of things Apple has done. I think the headphones is an excellent example of wireless headphones. They were not the first to market with them, um, but they did it in a way that they could improve on it and provide a better experience and then, you know, ran away with it. I think from, for Apple's perspective, you mentioned that it's got to be a big category. That's also a a thing, Um, you know, smart homes, uh, technology is still very nascent and still very new to a lot of people. Like I think people like us who are have been interested in it for a long time, it may seem like old hat, but it's still a brand new thing to a lot of people. Uh, and and you know, there's a lot of room for development and improvement. And and we were just talking about a new wireless standard <laughs> a few minutes ago, joining the many other wireless standards. Uh, the, the, there's so much to shake out, and I, and Apple is the type of company that is happy to let somebody else. Uh, go first, and they will come in at their own time schedule. I would be very surprised if they're they never do anything with it. Um, but I, I'm also not surprised that they're taking a long time. Yep, good point. All right. Well, if you have a smart home question for us, uh, send it our way uh, with the hashtag Ask Smart Home Show, and I definitely appreciate the listener who sent this in, and we'll pick one to include in each show. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. If people want to hear more from you, maybe read some of your writings, where's the best place to go? Uh, so uh, www.theverge.com. Um, we also are all over all of the various platforms and social networks, youtube.com slash theverge, twitter.com slash verge. Uh, my personal Twitter is dcseifert, um, which it, maybe you could follow, but... I don't suggest it (laughs) (laughs) unless you want to like look at a lot of complaining about technology, but Hey, 
there's that. Um, but yeah, verge.com is, is where you'll find pretty much all of the published stuff. All right. Fantastic. And Adam, where can people find more about you and your company? Uh, yep. Everything the company's doing is at connectsense.com and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice. How about you, Richard? Yep. You can find me at the digital media zone dot com and i am on twitter at richard gunther and the smart home show is part of technology.fm which is a collection of great tech podcasts including home tech fm the food tech show and my other show home on and we are located at smarthome.fm if you want to find our show notes or get further details about each episode you can find our show pretty much everywhere that you're looking for podcasts. And if you like the show, do us a favor, leave a rating, a review, and tell a friend. Help us grow our audience. Thanks for joining today. Thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.